It's wonderful to be able to share with you this morning as we're continuing our January sermon series. We're we're looking at how we're called to love others as God loved us and uh, what's the art of welcoming others with God's love. Today we're looking at what it means to love our church family. You might be wondering, who is our church family? If you're here today, you're part of our church family. If you're worshiping online today, you're part of our church family. Uh, If uh, we see you after church, you're part of our church family. You just don't know it yet. Uh, The way I look at defining our church family is kind of like my family uh, defines who's our family at Thanksgiving. Uh, At Thanksgiving, uh, on my wife's side, we have this this huge meal, and people know that they're welcome to bring friends. And what makes you a part of the family is if you show up that day, right? Because there's so many of us, we don't know you're not a blood relative. (laughs) We might not just have encountered you yet. If you're here, you're part of the family. And part of Loving our church family is helping and being involved in those major decisions within our church family. So I want to take a moment to to give you a quick announcement this morning. Many of you know uh, we've been raising funds for a new wing of our facility for children and preschool and to renovate for our CAGE ministry uh, for older adults living with dementia. Well, as part of that, we have reached the point, we're probably not going to break ground to 2025 or 2026, but we've reached the point where we need a building committee to do some of the preliminary work. In the United Methodist Church, to have a building committee, you have to have a charge conference. To have a charge conference, we have something called a district superintendent. They're really nice folks. Our district superintendent, Reverend Ann Robbins, will be with us on February 13th as a small portion of our regularly scheduled leadership council meeting, simply to allow us to have an official charge conference at which we will elect our building committee. It's at seven in the evening. We'd love for you to be there. We'd love for you to be at any of our leadership council meetings. And by our church policy, you have to be identified. uh, uh, You have to be informed 10 days in advance from the pulpit. You have been informed 10 days in advance from the pulpit. Okay. Thank you very much. That's that's part of how we love our church family is we stay up to date on the major things going on within it. And When you see a family that's healthy and that's really caring for one another, there's not much else like it in the world. And when you're a part of a church that's healthy, not perfect, but that's healthy, that's really caring for one another, there's nothing like it in the world. And that's why the majority of pastors and church leaders, they come from just a handful of churches. And they come from these handful of healthy churches and they spend the rest of their lives trying to take that and say, hey, let's do that everywhere because it can make such a powerful difference. I had coffee this week with a friend who's the head football coach at one of our uh, local middle schools. And uh, we were talking about offensive strategy and defensive strategy and how you maintain, take on a block while maintaining outside leverage and all, all of these things and, and how uh, as so, some people, you know, think cleanliness is next to godliness. But if, if you've lived in the football world for a while, you, you know, gap responsibility is next to godliness. Gap responsibility is, is, is really next to God. So we're, we're talking about all this stuff. And this, this stuff fascin, fascinates me. I mean, I'm enjoying the, the conver, conversation. And then he starts talking about how, how difficult it is to coach. And how, just how much time it takes and then he, he says this, he says, he begins to talk about what happens 
when your starters and the cool guys, when they begin to believe that the scout team and the little guys are just as important as them. And when they begin to treat those guys as just as important as them. And both of us begin to get tears in our eyes thinking about it. And he says, you know, it's, it's not the wins. It's not the excellence on the field while we do this. That's it. That's why we do this. Just for that moment when that happens. Friends, whether it's in a church, a family, a team, miracles happen when the powerful use their might to help the weak discover their power. Literal miracles happen when the powerful use their might to help the weak discover their power. When they start to see that, wait, wait a second, this isn't all about me. This is about us. And us means all of us together. Us. You literally see miracles happen. That's why if you've been a part of something like that, if you've been a part of something like a church where people really take care of each other and really love one another as Jesus loved us, you know you'll never forget it. And if you ever move somewhere else or something goes on and you don't have that in your life, you'll spend the rest of your life looking for it because you know what it is. This is literally what happened with Jesus Christ, right? He came to earth that we might have the Holy Spirit, that the same power that was in him might be in us. It's the greatest miracle that's ever happened, God coming among us, the powerful, sharing that power with the weak. We hope you'll seek that power each day. We hope you'll be a part of the Bible reading plan. We hope that you'll find it online, concordunited.org Bible. Or if, if you're not reading your Bible every day, pick up a copy of it at the Information Center. Online, you can also find a daily devotion to help you pray every day as well and go deeper into the scriptures because this is where miracles come from is this God who's more powerful who shares that power with us and when we see that power displayed among us we call it miracles now we see that this is God's plan for the church Uh, we're going to read today about Paul's first letter to the Corinthians we're going to pick up with the 12th chapter he's he's talking about the body of Christ and he he's talking to these people and the Corinthian church let me tell you um The Corinthian church is the model church because they aren't the model church. Now that might might sound weird, but there are other churches who are just those churches that seemingly have it all together, right? We know those people, they're they're churches like that. Um, The Corinthians, they don't. They blatantly don't. They have conflicts in their church between those of the upper class and the not so upper class. They have ethical immorality going on inside their church and some people who aren't even sorry for it and they're having to deal with deal with them and if you look at what's going on in Corinth and the Corinthian church it's it's so different like when we read about the Thessalonians the Thessalonians they're kind of the Andy Griffith show of the New Testament right you read about the Philippians they're kind of the leave it to beavers you read about the Corinthians, they're reality TV. That's, that's what the Corinthians are. Like you can't turn away because it's a train wreck. And yet, they're the model church because they aren't the model church. They're the model church because they have all the struggles, right? They have all the struggles. And they show us 
within struggling towards Christ, what it means to be the church. So let me share with you these words from Paul's uh, first letter to the Corinthians, picking up with chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Uh, On the contrary, members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body that the greater honor so to the inferior member of the body that the members may have the same care for one another listen to that the greater honor is given to the inferior member that there may be no dissension within the body and the members may have the same care for one another if one member suffers all suffer together if one member is honored all rejoice with it together now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it and God has appointed in the church first apostles second prophets third teachers then deeds of power then gifts of healing forms of assistance forms of leadership various kinds of tongues are is this not what we find in the church that Paul spends almost 10% of his, not quite, but almost 10% of his letter to the Corinthians on this little silly illustration about the body and he hammers it and he's redundant and he goes over it and over it and over it and as I was reading it some of you might have thought when's he going to stop? Because Paul just goes over and over and over. You need to understand this. You need to understand that you need each other. If you don't have each other, if you're not working together, if you don't see the value in each person and how much each person contributes to to the body of Christ, then you're not going to be what you were designed to be as a thing we call church. The body simply needs each element within it and each element within it is divinely designed in the church we need each person within it if you are in this church today you are in this church today because God designed a place in this church for you and has a calling for you and a purpose for you it's not just that we enjoy seeing you we do we love you but we need you we need you or we will never be what we're supposed to be as church we 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 won't do it when, when I was growing up, uh, there was one person, famous athlete, who we looked at, my friends and I, as the definition of speed. He was the definition of what it meant to be fast. And he is now the head football coach at Colorado University, Deion Sanders. Now, 
I was never fast. I could do okay. Uh, famously, uh, my, well, famously in my mind, uh, I was once told by a coach, Will, you have deceptive speed. You're much slower than it looks like you should be. <laughs> so I was fascinated by people who are fast. Today, do you know who's faster? Me or Deion Sanders? It's me. It's me. I'm way faster. Do you know why? Because he lost a couple toes. He, he had a disease in his foot. He lost a couple toes. Little, little thing. Little thing makes a world of difference, right? Uh, have, have you ever like stubbed your toe? You know what that's like to try to walk without, when that thing, thing's hurting? These parts of the body that we don't think much about play a huge difference. And where, wherever you are, if, if you are chairman of our leadership council, or if you are someone who's just coming in the door of this church, you're important. You have a place and you are needed and you are as important as anybody else. In fact, I would go so far to say this. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are as important to the body of Christ as the Pope, as important to the church, the body of Christ throughout this world as the Pope, because you're the one who's going to have the chance to tell people about Jesus. You're the one who's going to have the chance to show Jesus' love. This last week with, with the snow, we found out an incredible amount about our neighbors. We literally had lives saved. You heard about some people perishing of hypothermia in our community. We had lives saved because people went out and they found people and they said, there's this warming shelter. There, there's a place to go. We had people knocking on neighbors' doors saying, hey, I've noticed your car hasn't moved. Do you feel comfortable on these roads? Can I get you groceries? Uh, can I show your, your driveway. Uh, we, we had folks who formed relationships with neighbors during that time because, you know, like there's nothing that, that gets you uh, in the mood to talk and socialize like some beautiful snow on the ground. And they found out that their neighbors didn't have a church and they said, why don't you come to mine? And their neighbors said, oh, it's been decades since we've been in a church. And those neighbors are now exploring what it means to, to come back to church uh, and after years of trying to do life on their own of say hey could we invite God back back in the Pope couldn't have done that you can you can you're just as important every one of you here is as important to the church as I am as seen your pastor pastor Mike's just important as me Betsy who plays our organ she's just important as me she's probably more important than me let's just not talk about that <laughs> You're as important as me if you're a Sunday school teacher, if, if you're an usher, if you're walking in this door for the first time this morning, you're as important and as thing called church as I am and as any of us are. That's, that's who you are. I was talking this, just this morning to a member of our tech team. Think about how important our tech team is. You rarely see them. They wear black so that you won't see them uh, when they have to come down and fix a microphone or something. One of our tech team members, Channing, was telling me that 
how blessed he was to have the opportunity to help out with a funeral, the funeral of Sue Whitmore, which took place at the church yesterday. And because some of the family couldn't travel into town, they asked that we stream the, the funeral. Channing was saying to me, that was the first time I'd gotten to work a funeral here at this church. And it meant so much to me because just a little while ago, my grandmother passed away and she was in Texas and we couldn't get there. But their church was able to stream the funeral. And because their church could stream it, I could be a part of my grandmother's funeral. And then I got to come here and I got to help someone else be a part of their loved one's funeral. Thank you for giving me this chance to, to give back. If, if that doesn't happen, if folks don't come who sit in the back and know how, what every button does that you never see, then there are people all around who uh, don't get to experience church. And if they don't get my microphone working just right, then it doesn't matter how great whatever I have to say is, you're not going to hear it. There are so many of us that it takes to do this, this thing called church and to love one another as Christ has loved, loved us. And sometimes we, we think, well, well what, what, what really is love? What, what's it mean to, to love each other? Uh, is, is it just, hey, we're supposed to think good thoughts or is it just we're supposed to do good things? This is what love is. Love is compassionate healing plus helpful action. You put those two things together. It's being compassionate and kind and thinking about others and putting them ahead of yourself. And then it's actually acting on that thought. That's, that's what it means. It's, it's always both. It's always both. And when we look at who, who's going to do this, uh, in, in a world where so many people are divided, who's, who's going to invite them into a community where we love one another beyond our divisions? In a world where so many people are just focused on uh, how much they can acquire, uh, who's going to invite them into a community where it's not about what you can acquire, but about what you give back to others? In this world where so many people are insecure because they're trying to live their life based on how good they can do, who's going to invite them into a community that says we all have to come every week and we have to confess our sins because it's not about us because we can't be good enough, but there's one who is and it's about knowing him and it's about a relationship with him. Who's, who's going to do that? Who's, who's going to look at someone and say, I understand that you're not ready to come to church right now because you don't have enough food on your table. Let me tell you about our food pantry and let me invite you to come to church and sit, sit beside me. Who, who's going to be like some folks in our church who, who went out and came back to us and said, hey, we've got, we've got members uh, who don't have electricity. Who's going who's to be that? Who didn't want to tell us they didn't have that so that we could, could help? Who... Who does that? You. You're, you're the ones who does that. Who witnesses and testifies and talks about the difference Christ has made for them so that others might be able to know that for themselves? It's, it's you. It's us. It's, it's all of us. It's easy to read the headlines sometimes in our country. You read, church attendance declining. Church is struggling to come back from COVID. You read some big pastor at some big church did something big they shouldn't have done. 
Who's going to lead the revival? Who's going to show people what church really, really is? Friends, we are the ones we've been waiting for. There's, there, Jesus says there are rocks that will cry out if we don't do the job. But aside from the rocks, it's, it's, it's up to us. It's, it's, it's up to us. We are the ones we've been waiting for. So, so often in church, people, and I think this comes from a very good place. I think it comes from understanding the importance of what it means to talk about God and to talk about faith and to serve God. But it's a mixed up way of understanding that. People will say, well, who am I? Who am I to talk about God? Who am I to talk about the Bible? Who am I to do this? Who, who am I to do that? Friends, who are you not to? Who, who are you not to do that if Christ has encountered you? Who, who are you not to do that if God has blessed you with, with his love and grace? Who are you not to tell your story when he has come from heaven to earth to make you a part of his story? Who are you not to invite people into your church family when he has invited you into the family of God? Who are you not to? Who am I not to? One of the great blessings of my life was being a history major. Anybody, anybody a history major? Anybody like the history channel? Yes, thank you. You'll, 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 you'll admit that. History major, not so lucrative. Um, major, I, I understand, but one of the things that you learn when you're a history major is you focus most of your time on when things went really poorly or when things went really well in, in history. And one of the things that I find out as a pastor is I'm often invited into the details of people's lives at times when things are going really poorly or really well. And when I've studied history and when I've worked with people uh, at times when things went really poorly, there's a consistent theme that I think personally for myself. Not, I haven't had to go through that. I must be better. But there but the grace of God go I. There but the grace of God go I. If I had been raised in another place at another time, if I'd been born into another family, there are all sorts of things that could have gone on in, in, in my life. I am constantly haunted by these people who grew up and they did evil deeds that are some of the worst in history and they weren't bad people. That's just what their society taught them was good and they went along with it. I didn't have to go through that. There but the grace of God go, go I. I, I. I don't have to live my life thinking it's all about me. There but the grace of God go I. I don't have to live my life worshiping the almighty dollar and how many of them I can acquire. There but the grace of God go I. I, I don't have to live my life thinking it's about having more than someone else has there but the grace of God go I I don't have to live my life thinking it's all about how cool I can make myself look on Instagram with a certain filter there but the grace of God go I and that I, I'm sorry but once you get to about 40 that's just a losing battle okay they there's just aren't enough filters uh, but there are all these things there but the grace of God go we right? There but the grace of God go we. 
And who are we not to talk about that grace? And who are we not to share about that grace when there but the grace of God go we? And for some of us, it's I went there and the grace of God brought me here. And let me tell you how I got from there to here. Because it's not just I could have been there. I was there and now I'm here and this is who God is. Who are we not to tell the good news of what God has done? Who are we not to love one another as God has loved us? Who are we not to welcome and invite and cherish each one who comes here because God has cherished us? And you know what people want in church more than a silver-tongued preacher uh, and uh, professional-level choir? You, you know what they want? When they walk in the door, they want people to want them there. They want people to smile at them. They want people to know their names. Friends, I, I spend a significant amount of my time in my office. We, we, you can print out uh, from our database a picture of everyone who has their official picture made. I spend a lot of time trying to learn names. I'm never going to know them all. On a Sunday morning, I'm never going to know them all. But you might. There might be somebody here that you're the only one who calls them by name when they come here. By the way, in a couple months, we're going to have a chance for you to get your picture made. Please do that. Um, but you might know them by name. You might be the only person who smiles at them that day. You might be the only person who shakes their hand. I had a lady come out of church one time. She'd moved to the area a few months before. And she, uh, you know, we, we generally shake hands. Uh, but I had a family member who came out and gave me a big bear hug. Uh, so she just thought, well, that's what we do here. And this little 80-year-old woman, she just came and gave me a bear hug. I didn't know her. And she said afterwards, that's the first hug I've had in three months. Friends, you don't know the difference you might make. You might be the most important person in someone's life each day the most important person in, in their faith. And we have that chance to do that for each other. And some of those chances just happen naturally. Some of them you could sign up for. We want to encourage all of you to look at how can I serve others? How can I love others here within the church? Uh, you got a card on your way in that you could fill out and shows you all these ways that we can love one another. When you work the cameras for worship, you're loving one another. When you greet at the doors, you're loving one another. When you, when you help out with Sunday school, you're loving one another. When you come to a mission project, you're loving one another. When you participate in a small group, you're, you're loving one another. Uh, there's also a QR code on the screen. And if you'd rather uh, use the QR code than uh, the uh, handout you received, or if you're worshiping online, please use that because that's, that's one of those ways that we love one another as God has loved us. Because let me... Um, let me remind you of this. Chapter 12, verse 27, 1 Corinthians, the reality TV show of the New Testament. Now you, all of you imperfect people with all your imperfections, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You, you are God's plan for the world to know the love and grace of Jesus Christ. You, me, us, we. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we wonder why you would choose people like us. We wonder how you could love enough to give your life for us. 
And we wonder how you could believe in us enough to give us the task and the purpose of sharing your love and your grace with others. But you have called us. And we are not in a position to question your calling. We are in a position to follow. Give us courage. Give us wisdom. Give us strength. For love so amazing, so divine, demands our souls, our lives, our all. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.